Hello, I'm Hal Lublin. And I'm Mark Gagliardi. Since the dawn of humanity, one issue has gone unsettled. With the fate of the world in the balance, we're here to settle once and for all. Best Nicolas Cage performance! That's right, don't worry everyone. We got this. Podcasts should have a theme song. Podcasts should not have a theme song. Yes, they should. No, they shouldn't. They sound good. Yeah, but people are just going to skip past it. Hmm. You know what? You're right. We got this. I have questions before we start. <laughs> Go on. Because I don't know. Uh, I don't know exactly what we're figuring out here. Th- this topic mm-hmm. was suggested by our friend and a prior guest of the show, Fred Cross. That's right. Who has a great movie called Lear's Shadow that, if you look up online, is available to watch, I believe, through iTunes and a few mm-hmm. other uh, online. Uh, it just dropped uh, this past Tuesday, I think. Yeah, so it is out now, mm-hmm. available for you to see. Go check it out. Fred is a, is an incredible actor. Yeah, and it's basically – it's a for most of the movie, it's a two-person film. And then uh, one more uh, cast member gets added in uh, in the third act. And it is just – yeah, I mean it's – Powerhouse performances from, uh, from, uh, oh, jeez. Oh, boy. Every, you almost knocked over the table. No, this yeah. table will knock over. No, but I keep putting my elbows on it and getting noises. Yeah. So. It's a weird, like, mid-century folding table. Stop bragging about your mid-century table. I tried to sell it once. <laughs> Jennifer's like, we should sell it and get a smaller one, which makes sense. We have a smaller apartment. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you and I, I would just went, be sitting closer together when we do the podcast. Exactly. We, I got this at, at the Pasadena, at the Rose Bowl flea market. And oh, it was, it was expensive because it's an authentic, like, like a real mid-century groovy table by like whoever made the best ones. Mm-hmm. And so I tried to sell it, and I finally found the guy who buys mid-century. He's like, "How much are you thinking?" So I just went and looked at prices for it. And there were prices that were like three thousand dollars for this little table. Yeah. Look, it's a great table, but holy moly! So I was like, I I wrote him. I was like, "Well, it's listed for three thousand dollars, which is not what I paid for it at all." And uh, and the guy was like. No, I don't pay anywhere near that. So I th- let me know who you find that will buy it. And then I immediately went, well, no, hold on. I'll take way less. You, <laughs> you throw out a number. You throw out a number. What? That, that, that move right there, that throw out a number move uh-huh. is – I hate that. Because the first person who throws out a number loses in a negotiation. Is that true? I don't know how negotiations work. I just feel bad. I feel like I'm either going to insultingly – offer an insultingly low number. Right. Or depending on what – whether either an insultingly low or insultingly high or – you know what I mean? Yes, like 100%. Unrealistic numbers that might either be – elicit an insult or a laugh. Right. But you want – that's why you want the other person to throw out a number. Yeah, I want to know what the ballpark is. Yeah, you can at least go, that's – we're nowhere close. I yeah. need higher. Or if it's higher than you would have asked for, mm-hmm. let's say you're negotiating for salary and you want $50,000 and mm-hmm. they offer $60,000 oh, you go – Hmm. Then you might negotiate a little bit just to just so it doesn't seem like you're going. Yes, you sucker. Yeah, it's gonna take way less. Yeah, Wait, I'm terrible at any of that negotiating stuff. I was yeah. like, yeah, fine, that's great. <laughs> okay, I will do it. Whatever you say is correct. I have a tendency to think that whoever I'm talking to, and it works great on this show, knows more about everything than me. Is that why you did Blood and Treasure as an internship? Yeah, exactly. Is that that's okay, right? Yeah, you get sometimes it's co- out here. I got copy credit and meals. Yeah, but it's college credit, so it's even better. You ah. get another degree now. Oh, thank goodness! From the school of hard knocks, you right? Knucklehead. But we're not here to talk about negotiating. No, we're talking about Nick negotiating. Ooh, how has he not created a podcast called that yet? I don't know why, because it uh, sounds weird. Yeah, I guess it's really that's hard. True. To, I had to really. It was like I really need to enunciate this because it will sound terrible. <laughs> that is a word that can sound terrible if you say it wrong. Yeah. Uh, I have a question though. So, so he asks. Best Nicholas. <laughs> you Cage look so exasperated already. Well, here, here's at the, the idea of Nicholas Cage. This reminds me, by the way, of the Community episode. I don't want to steal anything from oh, Community. Do you yeah. remember that where yes. Danny Pudi is trying to decide whether or not Nicholas Cage is a good actor? Where do you fall on that? I do think he's a good actor. I think he's a very good actor. I think the issue is. A lot of the times he's in a different movie than everybody else. Like a great example of that is Peggy Sue Got Married. Uh-huh. Even Jim Carrey in that in a small role is less over the top than Nick Cage's because he makes a choice mm-hmm. early on. They going to have this voice <laughs> the entire movie. Well, you know, they're shot out of sequence. They are. but It's Pat not Pat- like in the first scene. He's like, I'm going to do this thing. Well, I guess I got to do it forever now. 
he still kind of has, but he made that he was like, I'm going to make it. He's, he seems like a very intentional performer, right? Mm-hmm. Where he's like, I'm making a choice and I'm going to stick with and, and see that choice out. And I know Kathleen Turner in interviews has been like, that voice, he just showed up with it. And then that became what he was doing. And mm-hmm. it throws everybody off. Yeah. See, I would, that's why I would love to work with a guy like him mm-hmm. because I like, I love performances that swing for the fences, whether or not it's a home run or a fly out. Like I love a good swing for the fences performance. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think of some of my, and some of his are just epic, epic swings. Yeah. I'm thinking the, the one I'm thinking of that comes to mind is, uh, she's in every season of American Horror Story. Jessica Lang. Yes. Yeah. She swings for the fences and chews scenery in every season. Right. But don't you feel like she fits into what she's doing? She does fit into the world. Like, yeah. You, she's still gobbling up all the scenery. I think you have a responsibility as an actor. Mm-hmm. And maybe I'm, maybe I'm wrong because I don't have an Oscar. Nicholas Cage sure, sure does. Yeah. Uh, to whatever choice you're making that it fits within the world that you're playing in. Mm-hmm. Like you're not there to blow the world apart. Right. Unless that's what you're told. Unless that's what we've been hired to do. And I don't think for something like Peggy Sue got married <laughs> that that's what they asked him to do. But in something like Raising Arizona, yeah, that fits – like certain things fit his style better. Mm-hmm. And now – And the Coen brothers fit his style to a T. Absolutely. But now he's in sort of a different place where he's become almost like Al Pacino has. Like you have young Al Pacino who's like this sort of New York theater actor. And now he's become – like a parody of himself because all you see is an impression of him. Right. It's Al Pacino doing Al Pacino. And he's still very good. I, yeah. I love Al Pacino. I saw him play Tennessee Williams and it was just <laughs> watching uh, Tennessee Williams as portrayed by a caricature of Al Pacino. Yeah, exactly. So he just walked around the stage and gave a little southern affectation and called all the boys baby and he would just hold out his hand and like pet them down their chest. <laughs> like, baby, baby, come here, baby. That was his version of Tennessee Williams. Did he, uh, did he, I feel like when you go to see him in something like that, you're just waiting for him to go, ooh I know, right? Like it's, play the hits. Like that, it's a play. His, that's, but I think that became sort of, that, again, that's a fantastic performance. Mm-hmm. But it has become sort of a symbol of what he is. Just like the Wicker Man scene with the bees is <laughs> what we all think Nicolas Cage is. That he's like pumping everything up. Yeah. That uh, he's, again, playing on a different level and making things bigger than they need to be or maybe sometimes smaller than they need to be. And maybe that's a good thing because mm-hmm. I, I will watch a lot of his movies yeah. and enjoy them. But are we looking for – do we want the best we want the best performance, not the best movie? Right. Or do we want the most performance? That's my question. Yeah. Is is his best performance when he's at his most Nick Cage? I think it's gotta be. The whole point of this the point of this topic is the Nick Cageiest Nick Cage. So does that mean we eliminate leaving Las Vegas, which is maybe his best performance from a critical standpoint? I mean, it's so funny to immediately off the bat eliminate his Academy Award winning performance. Um, I mean, he's great in that movie. He is great in that movie. He's great in Moonstruck. Yeah. He, oh, Moon, but Moonstruck is Nicolas Cage in Nicolas Cage mode. Exactly. Yeah. That, but it fits. Yeah. It fits that movie. Um, I like the idea that we are going to figure out most Nicolas Cage. Okay. I think that will uh, lead us to, or at least keep that in mind. Should we figure out what we think his best performance is, like from just a critical? Well, it's leaving Las Vegas. Is a really good job he served. It may not be. It may not be. Mm -hmm. It it very well could be. And then set that, put that against the most Nicolas Cage performance to see which one we like better. I think our most Nicolas Cage performance might wind up being the best Nicolas Cage performance because I guess now that I'm looking at this list in front of me, it Uh might not be leaving. I know he got an Oscar for leaving Las Vegas because it was heavy and heartfelt and intense and important, and Mm -hmm. but man, he plays two dudes in Face Off. He does play two dudes. Like, isn't he? And he's the one who gets to the scene where he goes, I'm going to take his face off. <laughs> Which is like that great Nicolas yeah. Cage sort of pause. And the other one is the ripped up and sighted out of nowhere. Oh, man. He, in, uh, in National Treasure 2. Look, I know, by the way, you know, I'm, I'm obsessed with National Treasure I love movies. Them as well. I love those. Well. I he don't know that this, though. as the leading man, I don't know that, uh, you know, that's going to be his most Nicolas Cage or best. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Go ahead. There is a lot. No, I was saying I love the movie. I love those movies as well. Mm-hmm. Even more so just spending – the more time we've spent together, it's yeah. sort of leached on to me. Yeah, exactly. Like You're I, welcome. Anytime I can watch them and enjoy them yeah. uh, a great deal. First more than the second. 
Uh, yeah. Um, I would, I would certainly go to see a third in the theater without hesitation. I don't think they're going to make it. I know. Yeah. It's the same. But I know. Oh, to finish my thought though, yes, go. uh, of the Nicolas Cage-iness, my favorite line in National Treasure 2 is when Nicolas Cage turns to John Voight, who is playing his father, mm-hmm. and he goes, Dad, you need to stop overreacting. <laughs> and it's my favorite line Nicolas Cage has ever said. And it is, it is perfect. And it does sort of illustrate that he gets it. Yeah. He, he knows it. what he is. Um, did I ever tell you my story of, uh, seeing Nicolas Cage at the Magic Castle? Um, please tell it again. I know you have, but okay. I want more. So some friends and I went to the Magic Castle one night, uh, which is a, for those who don't know, it's like the Temple of Magic in the United States or maybe the world. It's the, uh, headquarters of the Magic Society. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's a, and there's a bunch of little rooms where there are magic shows that happen and we walk into the close up room. And we're late getting into the room, but we had some friends who were working there and they're like, yeah, we'll get you in. We'll squeeze you in uh, just along the walls here. We go inside. My buddy Joe, he sort of gets placed up along a wall next to what looks to be a vampire in a Motley Crue cover band. (laughs) It is this man with long hair, a... Like, like a, uh, vintage, almost looks like a coat that, uh, a 18th century cavalryman would be wearing. A waistcoat. A waistcoat with, with the tails, yeah. yeah. A leather waistcoat with tails. Sure. Leather, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, a, a velour vest and a, I'm gonna guess, nearly empty, if not entirely empty, bottle of champagne in his hand that he's just been slugging out of. My buddy walks in and stands next to him. I feel bad telling his story, but we were all there, so it still counts. Sure. And Nicolas Cage turns to him and just looks him up and down and goes, you're a plant. Because it's a magic show. My buddy, God love him, turns to Nicolas Cage and he goes, shut up, man. You're a plant. (laughs) And Nicolas Cage went, huh? And then through the rest of the magic show, at the end of all of the magician's tricks, Nicolas Cage would just rub his eyes and go, what? (laughs) Like, there is nothing more magical than watching Nicolas Cage watch a magic show. And his date at one point, she was the assistant, or not the assistant, the volunteer. And in that, he was fully engaged and very loud. And it was... If you ever get a chance to watch a magic show with Nicolas Cage, I guess is my point. Uh, two questions. Mm-hmm. First question is, were the people watching the show, did, were they appreciating like, oh, the camp of Nicolas Cage overreacting or were they like, this, this vampire is, really this vampire is, dr- this drunk vampire. Yeah. No, I think everybody was like, holy crap, it's Nicolas Cage. Let him do whatever he wants. He's the sorcerer. Yeah. The sorcerer. He is. He was dressed. That's what he was dressed like. He was dressed like a sorcerer. He was dressed like a sorcerer character who was dressed yeah. less, uh, less weird than he was that night. Yeah. He dressed it up. Yeah. Uh, second question. Mm-hmm. Have more people heard about the time I saw a guy who looked like you at the Magic Castle uh, recently? Please don't post this picture. We went to the Magic Castle, Jennifer and I. And we're standing in line to go, not into the main, not into the palace, but the parlor, the prestidigitation, the smaller theater right next to it. And there's a guy there who looks like a character Mark would have played in high school if they did like an adaptation to Goodfellas. Like, it's basically just me, but younger with a goatee. Like a goatee. You had a goatee at one point. I did, yeah. Um, he was he was stockier than you are, mm. but you were stocky at one point in your life. Still am, but thanks. Um, but he also looked like uh, you wearing a fake nose, and he looked really mad. Like he just looked like this uh, sounds uh, exactly like a me. Dour look on his face. Yeah, I, and also he was six three. Yeah, and also was a lady, and uh, in heels, and uh, looked nothing like you. And I turn, you know, he's nearby, and so I do what anybody would do, which is I turn to Jennifer, I say Jennifer. Don't look now, but Mark is over my right shoulder. Like mean Mark. I called him mean Mark. Hilarious. She looks, she's like, I almost did a double take. <laughs> so we go and, and sit down and we're seated in the, in the parlor and they go, everybody, please give a warm round of applause for the magic, uh, stylings of Jimmy H. And he emerges, uh, the Markjickle performer, <laughs> as I call him, emerges. A Markjician. And then sounds nothing like you at all, which was the most uh, it kind of took me out of the whole show, and he was a great <laughs> performer. He was very warm, very kind. Was he doing Nicolas Cage's voice from Peggy Sue Got Married? Oh, my everybody. first, for my first trick. <laughs> I'm so excited. We pick a card. <laughs> um, 
he was so nice. And now, now there's a picture, which I've circulated yeah. internally, of this magician holding a banana in one hand mm-hmm. and what I thought was a remote, but is actually a cell phone in the other. And when you sent me that picture, what did I say? We should do that episode. Yes. Banana or remote. <laughs> we'll figure that out eventually. Yeah. <laughs> but he did uh, – it's <laughs> – it's uh, Magic Mark XXL is his name. Oh, my God. So look up Jimmy H, Magician, and decide for yourself. Because it doesn't look like you, but it looks enough like you to be like a character you'd be hired to play. But at Tony and Tina's wedding. <laughs> That's what it looks like. If you were Tony and Tina's yeah. wedding, you're like – If I was the table magician at Tony and Tina's wedding. Yeah. Or oh just my like, God. A, like a – I'm sure – I've never seen Tony and Tina's wedding, but I assume that there's a mobster there somewhere. No. Yeah. Yeah. I know. That Wait. Are you telling me that the show Tony and Tina's wedding uh, deals in Italian stereotypes? Well, I'm just assuming that they explore the rich cultural heritage sure. that Italian immigrants brought to this country yeah. many, many years ago and continue to enrich our society. Exactly. Italians are responsible for the immigrant Ettore Boyardi, my friend. Yeah, that's right. Who later became famous as Chef Boyardi. Because we don't pronounce names properly. Exactly. They had to phonetically spell his name on the cans of pasta. Let's talk about Nicolas Cage. Okay. Um, so there's, a, I've got a list right here. Uh, well, you've got his IMDb page open with all the yeah. movies. There are 100 films on this. And some of them are like, come on, that's, it's not going to be that one. Uh, there's some stuff way down, uh, way down at the bottom. Look, I'm sure guarding Tess, uh, where he played the Se- Secret, Secret Service Man, uh, former first lady. Yeah. Is, uh, we don't have to talk about that, right? No, it's enjoyable. Yeah. I do want to pick one up, uh, that I think is a, uh, let's say good, good performance, not a most performance. Okay. Which is the movie Eight Millimeter. Oh, okay. Very good movie. He's just kind of like the the protagonist a in a dark yeah yeah who winds up in like the weird sort of S and M underground of Los Angeles mm-hmm. um, while pursuing a killer and Joaquin Phoenix is like a sex store employee who becomes sort of his his Watson um, but he's very good in that and it's mm-hmm. a lot less it's really a lot less of an over the top although there is a look to him always like he's trying to figure out a math problem. <laughs> <laughs> and you get a lot of math problem, Nick Cage. In that movie. movie. Yeah, well, look, anything where – anytime anyone is playing a cop, there's just going to be a lot of looking in two or three different directions and trying to figure out what's happening. Yeah. All right. So, there. look, there are some good – there are some – he's done some good work. He's done some garbage work. Do you have any other bests? Like Adaptation? Uh, adaptation I thought is great. Very good. Um, oh, are we, are we now we're just digging in. We're just diving in. I'm sort of diving in just trying to pick out what, are, right. some, what are some like like – Really good. What are things that could maybe hang with leaving Las Vegas would be in that category? Just to get. I mean, you could do a double feature. You could do a Vegas double feature and go honeymoon in Vegas, followed by leaving Las Vegas. Honeymoon in Vegas is uh, really fun. Yes, and they just had a Broadway musical of it. Oh, I didn't realize. Yeah, that. it was just uh, just on Broadway a couple years ago. Itself well to a Broadway musical, right? Rob McClure, brilliant. Saw him play Chaplin once. He's amazing. Wow. Um, but he's very good in that movie and, and comedic perform. We never, we very rarely take comedic performances and 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 laud them as acting jobs. But he does a mm-hmm. very, you know, because of the extent to which he kind of grounds it, because he's the guy who has weird stuff happening to him mm-hmm. instead of being the weird guy right. in a normal situation. And I think he plays that well. It's a much more grounded performance than we see nowadays. Nowadays, it's much more uh, pumped up, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, that's like you were saying before. He has gone into now I'm going to be uh, Nicolas Cage mode. Yeah. He's also very good in Sorcerer's Apprentice. He's really fun. And so, see, that's this is what I, I think we're going to wind up leaning toward. Like, look, leaving Las Vegas is great. Bringing out the dead. He is great and dark, but that's where he's the ambulance driver. Yeah, but yeah. quiet, dark Nicolas Cage. That's not my hashtag. Not my Nicolas Cage. <laughs> Although no, my Nicolas Cage wears a leather duster and screams erratically at inappropriate times. If you want a a version of Nicolas Cage that's wearing a long jacket, mm-hmm. also a perfect performance. Uh, Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. I was just going to say, I was like scrolling down to find it right here, uh, yeah. Sp- which I just saw and loved. Yes. It is. Man, is that movie fantastic. Brilliant. Perfect movie. It is perfect. And he steals every scene he's in as yeah. Spider-Man noir. It's like a per- – and he's a guy who loves comic books. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure that was a real – he was very excited to do that. Obviously, he very famously was supposed to play Superman. 
right for Tim Burton. Uh, the I death think. of the death of Superman. Yes, Watch the movie. It didn't happen. Yeah, based oh, man. on just the test shots we saw of the light up Superman suit. Oh boy, and him with long hair. Yeah, it looks like they went. Hey, um, why don't we combine uh, Fabio, Jesus, and Jamie Fox from that Spider Man movie? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, where he played Electro? Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, the amazing, was it the amazing Spider-Man 2? I don't remember which one it was. They've made, look, they've, they've done a lot of reboots. They're going to start rebooting things that came out last summer. I can't wait. They're doing a Harry Potter reboot. Oh, are they really? No, I'm kidding. Oh, no. I know. Yeah, I think we can discount a lot of the Nicolas Cage movies. There's a big chunk of time yeah. where he was just the protagonist and the most expensive budget item in an action movie. Yes. You know what I mean? And he did a bunch of those. He has done a bunch. What is the one where he can see into the future? Oh, yes. Look it up here. It's like a, a – oh, man. It's not the trust. I'm just sitting here going through his I know. We really should have done uh... – It doesn't matter. <laughs> you know what? It doesn't matter. Yeah, it's, it's not that one. Because he can see like, what, like 11 seconds of the future or something? Yeah. Uh, wait, is it next? Maybe. All right, but oh, here's some uh, here's some good rom com uh, Nicholas Cage yeah. from back in the day. Another good one. I always liked It Could Happen to You. Mm-hmm. Uh, cop tips waitress uh, two million dollars or whatever because he wins the lottery. He wins the lottery and he says he doesn't have money to tip her. He says, "Look, if I win the lottery, I'll give you half of it." And then he actually does. And what a like that by the way is the perfect romantic comedy premise to me. Like yeah. something ridiculous and sort of magical and serendipitous happens to two strangers who fall in love. And isn't it Meg Ryan is the – No, uh, Bridget Fonda. Bridget Fonda. Yeah, who I had a huge crush on from Doc Hollywood. Oh, yeah. I mean Fast Times at Ridgemont High. We're getting, we're, we can go way back yeah, into the Nicolas Cage sort of machine. Like a, he's sort of like a side character yeah, he's, in that. Uh, Kick-Ass, he's great in. He is really good in those – again, like when you give him comic book stuff, mm-hmm. he's he's – not that he isn't invested in other stuff that he does, but I think he gets up to another level. Uh, Ghost Rider, the Ghost Rider movies, which are not good movies. You can tell he's there, like, doing He's having fun. Fast. Yeah. He's not just like, I know they want Nicolas Cage, so I'm just going to come in and Nicolas Cage my way through this. Right. But they are not nowhere near his best performance. Spider-Man Noir is, uh, is up there. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's, I mean, that's not going to be the best Nicolas, maybe the best comic a, book Nicolas Cage. It is Cage. a smaller role. I I don't think it would I don't think it would unseat mm-hmm. leaving Las Vegas because it's just not meaty enough. Did uh were you involved in uh Bad Lieutenant Port of Call New Orleans? Of course I was. Yeah, we did that together. When uh when he steps on we have, uh, the listeners, people of the world, I don't know if you know that uh Hal and I are in a Nicolas Cage movie, at least vocally. Yeah. We uh did uh if you if you ever find the version of Bad Lieutenant Port of Call New Orleans that has been cleaned up for television. Every time there's a swear word, it's me and Hal and some buddies of ours making up insanity. <laughs> well, also, we're in the background of a lot of we things. We are in the background in a lot of things. When he steps on the old woman's um, oxygen tube. He is – oh, for those who don't know this movie, he plays – if you know Bad Lieutenant, yeah. he's just – it's just a – Harvey Keitel. Uh, yeah, it's – I don't even know if you'd call him a corrupt cop, just a horrible human who is a cop. Yes. Uh, and Nicolas Cage takes over in, for this movie. And it's, he's, he's lunacy in it. Uh, when he steps on the woman's, uh, he goes to the retirement home and steps on the mm-hmm. old woman's oxygen tube. I think it's Annie who is the voice of the, <laughs> Oh like, no! Like, uh, uh, uh. But I think. <laughs> so you can watch that movie and you can hear Annie Savage. That may be one, that may be one of my, like, one of my specialties is wheezy breathing because I have mm-hmm. asthma. Uh, which is why it, there's some, like, was it Day of the Dead that we did? Or mm-hmm. Dawn of the Dead? One of them. Um, I'm the the breathing of the main zombie. <laughs> That's me. That's my... Oh, I'm usually, uh, because of the way my voice sounds, they usually have me do, if there's a television on in the background, yeah. I'm either a sportscaster, a newscaster. Yes, I or do a lot of sportscaster. We do a lot of that. Were we the two? Did we do, uh, there was a soccer game going on and yeah. we uh, and we got to yell, goal, which was really fun. <laughs> One time um, for Alex Barreto. Mm-hmm. She, uh, she had a movie where I came in and did ADR work and was a baseball announcer, but like a radio guy who does mm-hmm. it by himself. Ooh. And I think I did like what felt like five minutes straight of a baseball game, <sighs> just trying to keep track of pitch counts and imagine a baseball game playing out in my head. Oh, wow. I mean, look, That's if anybody's going to be able to do that, it's you. That is a specialty of mine. I know sports well enough that I can 
walk yeah. through. I can, I can provide the sports information. <laughs> I can just fix swear words. That's right. All right, let's, uh, let's make a list. Okay. Let's make a list of what we think are the big contenders. Since we've mentioned a couple and had a little fun, uh, with some of his, uh, either middling or more ridiculous roles. Uh huh. What is, what's going to be on the top of this? Li- not, not the top. What's, what are the top contenders that are going to be on this list? I'm going to throw a few out. Yeah. And you tell me if you agree. Face off. Sure. Con Air. Yes. The Rock. Of course. I'm putting National Treasure in there. Okay. Wicker Man. Uh, Wicker Man for its sheer lunacy. Yes. Uh, Raising Arizona. Uh huh. Moonstruck. Yes. Um, Adaptation. Or is that? Is it better? Do you think that performance is better than Leaving Las Vegas? It's okay if the answer is yes. No. So we got to put Leaving Las Vegas Vegas. in there. Basically, Leaving Las Vegas in there is the pedigreed one. What about World Trade Center? I never saw World Trade Center. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Uh, so I feel bad. It might be his best performance. It's, it's not. Can I shout out? I mean, it's good. (laughs) It's good. Yeah. It's not his best. Um, Mm -hmm. can I just shout him out as Fu Manchu in the Werewolf Women of the SS short in Grindhouse? Oh my God. Which feels like the, really, that is the most Nicolas Cage yeah. possible, but it's, it's just a cameo. That is maximum Cage. And it's just him, I think, laughing. I just think yeah. it's him going, ah! fully dressed up. All right. Do we like this list? I'm just looking to see if there's anything else. Do we want to put Bad Lieutenant in there? Cause it is pretty. I think it's just, it's, it's really dark. <laughs> I know, but it's a lot of Nicolas Cage, like, it is a lot of Nicholas. It's you know what it is though. It feels he like it is around anything in that movie at all. Yeah, but it's also him just playing to whatever the worst parts of his id are. It's right. like, hey Nick, just go be a re-. like he does terrible, terrible things. Like the, it's the combination of the writing, the directing, and Nicholas Cage's performance that right. creates this person that is just awful. Um, so maybe in my mind, like he's just not. He's just too terrible. That character is too terrible a person for it to be his best. And like, and by your, by your thing of, is it, is it going to beat this? I honestly, in my mind, it's, it's going to be tough to beat face off raising Arizona. Uh, yeah, face off raising Arizona and Con Air, I think are my three. They're the most Nicolas Cage to me. They're, they're having him having fun in cool movies like Con Air. Sure. Give him a dumb accent, like not dumb, but you know, give the Nicholas case like, I'm going to make this guy sound like this. That all right. And they're like, yeah, sure. Nick, whatever you want to do, buddy. Was he from Louisiana in that movie? Yeah, that might have been his choice. They might have added that line later. That was back when, uh, I mean, I'm still, still a cool place. Mm-hmm. New Orleans is a very cool place, but it feels like there was a time where every celebrity wanted to be from New Orleans. Sure. Cause Harry Connick Jr. is the world's coolest celebrity. Yes. That's right. So everybody wanted to be him. Mm-hmm. That's why everybody took piano lessons. I thought it was because of the Cajun gourmet. <laughs> I guarantee. Yeah. They wanted to be like him. Oh man. Uh, that I didn't realize until recently. I watched some of his, uh, episodes. Mm-hmm. I like went on a, old school uh cajun pbs cooking show spree and i was like wow my grandfather really crafted much of his uh look and vibe from this guy you know what i mean <laughs> isn't there isn't he like this like part- denim shirt denim pants suspenders i think that just happens at a certain point you life. just become that if you're from the south if you're an old man from the south you just become that guy you're like what is comfortable but i also don't want to be a slob mm-hmm I want to keep my pants up. Yeah. Belts are belts suck. So I'm going to wear <laughs> suspenders. I love suspenders. suspenders. Did we do belt or suspenders ever? I don't know if we have. Maybe no, we it's did. It's suspenders. I haven't worn suspenders in a long time. I love them. But I kind of would like to. Yeah. Maybe I'll get suspenders. Get some suspenders, man. What if I got suspenders? Wear suspenders over your collection oh, of, uh, of your collection of, uh, Comic-Con t-shirts. Should I get rainbow suspenders so I can just look like Robin Williams all the yeah. time? Yeah. I look like Robin Williams or like, uh, Victor Garber in the original Godspell production. <laughs> I think he was in a super, was it the Superman shirt and suspenders and rainbow suspenders he wore yeah, for that? I think you're right. Look, we are really getting off this Nicolas Cage topic. We gotta get off. Of we this gotta, Cage. yeah. Well, all right, we, all right, much like Nicolas Cage himself, this conversation has been rambling, sometimes incoherent, and frequently yelled. <laughs> well, why don't we take a break? It sounds like we have final. There are no other finalists either one of us wants to add. Uh, it will during the break. We'll take a look and see if there's anything. All right. But just you, they don't need to just listen to a scroll. That's fine. So uh, when we're done scrolling, <laughs> while we're scrolling, you'll hear. 
about some of the other great shows on the Maximum Fun Network, and then we'll come back and we'll settle this thing. Once and for all! Welcome back to Fireside Chat on KMAX. With me in studio to take your calls is the dopest duo on the West Coast, Oliver Wong and Morgan Rhodes. Go ahead, caller. Hey, uh, I'm looking for a music podcast that's insightful and thoughtful, but like also helps me discover artists and albums that I've never heard of. Yeah, man. Sounds like you need to listen to Heat Rocks every week. Myself and I'm Morgan Rhodes and my co-host here, Oliver Wong, talk to influential guests about a canonical album that has changed their lives. Guests like Moby, Open Mike Eagle, talk about albums by Prince, Joni Mitchell, and so much more. Yo, what's that show called again? Heat Rocks, deep dives into hot records. Every Thursday on Maximum Fun. There's nothing quite like sailing in the calm international waters on my ship, the SS Biopic. Avast! It's actually pronounced biopic. No, you dingus! It's biopic! Who the hell says that? It's biopic! Because it's the, the words word for biography and picture. You... Alright, that is enough! Ahoy! I'm Dave Holmes. I'm the host of the newly rebooted podcast, formerly known as International Waters. Designed to resolve petty but persistent arguments like this. How? By pitting two teams of opinionated comedians against each other with trivia and improv games, of course. Winner takes home the right to be right. What podcast be this? It's called Troubled Waters, where we disagree to disagree. All right, we're back. Uh, we have extensively gone through the the ovu. How do you say that word? Uva. Uva. Oeuvre? No, that's an that's Oeuvre an egg, maybe. right? We've gone through the no, egg of, oof. yeah, we've gone through the oof of Nicolas Cage, yes, uh, and we've come up with, with what we think are uh, seven the seven real finalists here. Yes. Well, we I, we have eight. You want to keep Wicker Man on the list? I mean, we're really only keeping it on there for the bees. Let's cut it. I also did want to give a shout out to one I forgot about earlier, uh, which is City of Angels. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really liked his performance in that, and this is this is why I think he's a fun actor. Because he does crazy things. I watched an interview with him about this movie. And uh, he said – they said, how do you different? Because the movie is about a guardian angel who falls in love with uh, – A nurse. With a nurse, mm-hmm. like an ER nurse that he is guarding. And uh, and he decides he's going to fall from heaven, become human, and then they fall in love. And it's a heartbreaking and beautiful love story. I always really liked that movie. Mm-hmm. Um but I saw this interview with him and they said, how do you differentiate between playing an angel and when the angel has fallen and is human and Nicolas Cage? And then I went back and watched it again. I was like, oh, my God, he's so good. He went, angels don't blink. So watch him while he's playing an angel. He does not blink. And the first thing he does when he falls to earth is start blinking. <laughs> so that's really? physically like I love a physical manifestation that can – if if no one notices but him, he notices. You right. know what I mean? And there is a, a difference in the characters. Wow. Not blinking makes you seem ethereal and, you know, outside of this world. And then as soon as you start blinking, it's like you're snapping out of it. You know what I mean? Snapping out of a trance. It is also uh, a very Nicolas Cage answer. Too. Yeah. Because you're expecting like more like, well, well yeah. I wanted this and this is what that person was feeling. And then all of a sudden to be human and be aware of mortality. But no, you just get – Angels don't blink. <laughs> That's all you get. That's all you're going to get from him. Um, but we can – we don't have to put that on the list. I don't no. think it's one of his best. I don't think it beats any of these final seven movies. Leaving Las Vegas, Face Off, The Rock, Con Air, National Treasure, Raising Arizona, and Moonstruck. How do you decide? What are your um, criteria now? Because a lot of these are – the majority of these – well, three of them are – are good performances mm-hmm. where you'd be like, oh, that is a really good performance. Moonstruck is – he's in the same movie as everybody else, I guess is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Although he is in Con Air too. It's just a bananas movie. Yeah. And it's bananas Nicolas Cage. But Moonstruck, Raising Arizona and Leaving Las Vegas, I would put in the in the critically lauded performance category. Yeah. And then Nick Cage Unleashed is The is Rock, Rock. Face-Off and uh, Con Air. And National Treasure. And National Treasure. <sighs> I just want National Treasure to be on this list, but I think we have to eliminate it. It's, th- it's and not here's why. either one, right? It is It is one of my all-time favorite movies. That said, it's Nicolas Cage as a protagonist. Mm-hmm. And there's not enough crazy. 
I want some Nicolas Cage-isms. Yeah. He has a couple here and there. He plays a very smart sort of, uh, you know, and, and it does appear in, in moments, like he's very smart and sort of quieter and it's not him being a big over the top character, but every once in a while he would like throw in a thing. Uh, a couple of years ago at mm-hmm. Pensacon, mm-hmm. we were doing, uh, Ken Plume's real crime panel. Mm-hmm. And you chose National Treasure. Yeah, as, as a movie that is underrated. Criminally underrated. Uh-huh. And you chose when they're on the Charlotte. Mm-hmm. When they're on the, the, it was just oh, this is the clip the that I chose. Yeah. And then, so the way it works in this panel, which is great. And you can listen to full, their podcasted episodes if you, if you become a patron for Ken Plume, mm-hmm. patreon.com uh, forward slash Ken Plume. Somebody nominates a film and then the other two people also watch that film and each nominate a clip. That either supports the main mm-hmm. person's argument or is counter to it. Right. Uh, so you and I, I think, chose clips that came right at – they were both clips on the Charlotte, weren't they? Because mm-hmm. mine was him figuring out <laughs> like, oh, there's a crossword and then we do that and then go over there and this is – The, the, the moments in that movie when he is figuring stuff out out yeah. loud. You know what? I'm leaving it on the list. <laughs> I was going to eliminate it because it wasn't the most Nicolas Cage or critically like loved Nicolas Cage. You wanted to hang on longer? I wanted to hang on longer. I forgot about – I love those moments. Uh, I also want to nominate, by the way, very quickly, a great moment. From Gone in 60 Seconds, oh, which is the moment of the trailer where he stops and then like waves his, his hands around and then goes, let's go. Oh, yeah. That's become like a signature Nicolas Cage move. The yeah. hold your hands up and pause and then shake your hands. Yeah. yeah. He's, he's up in that sort of like. He you can't see what Hal's doing, but it's dead on. His upper body turns into like a pitchfork where his mm-hmm. head is the middle and then the two on the sides <laughs> and then everything's moving. All right. Um. So it's holding on for a little longer. Let's talk about – then let's talk about – why don't we pull one from each category. Okay. Since we have the national treasure category, we're pulling national treasure from that one. Uh Uh-huh. And then from the critically – National treasure category. From the the critically lauded Mm -hmm. uh, Nicolas Cage movies. That's Leaving Las Vegas, Raising Arizona, and Moonstruck. Now, Raising Arizona is a previous winner on this podcast. Yes. uh, A previous decision. I don't want to say winner. Mm -hmm. uh, But a previous uh, – Get one of the what is the best uh, Coen Brothers movie? Yes, and it's largely due to a his chemistry with Holly Hunter, but right. is just his performance in general in that. It's great. He's by the way, he is two of these, uh, two of these, all three of these performances. He is not doing alone. No, uh, he is doing this with uh, with Elizabeth Shue. Who did she also get the Oscar? She was nominated. Nominated. Brilliant Elizabeth Shue in Leaving Las Vegas. The brilliant Cher in Moonstruck. Yes. And and the brilliant Holly Hunter in Raising Arizona. Yes. So he is – his. it's funny that his three movies that are him at his best, he needs a great co-star to rein him in. Isn't it true though that you – like he always – he's like John Voight and Justin Bartha and Mm -hmm. I cannot remember her name. Uh, Diane Kruger. Diane Kruger. Mm-hmm. Like, he has great co-stars in a lot of the movies. He, he does. Connick, but I think like, Steve I feel like, I'm, I guess I'm just thinking of like, uh, love interest, the women that he's playing opposite who are, who are yeah. his sparring partners his in the movie. Is, those are his sparring partners. Yes. But we've got to pull one of these. You know, I know it's so hard because you can't discount that leaving Las Vegas, he's brilliant in, but it's a quieter. I feel like knowing what he is capable of mm-hmm. and how over the top he can go, the restraint that he shows mm-hmm. in allowing – because really the person taking up the oxygen in the room and raising Arizona is Holly Hunter. Mm-hmm. Her character is much more manic. She is much more in charge. So he – while he's definitely doing a character thing, mm-hmm. uh, he is giving – he's very giving in that film. Mm-hmm. He's n- not trying to – overpower right the scene he's a he's a very good scene partner in that movie yeah and i think that from a technical standpoint i appreciate a yes great deal it's not as showy but the flip side of that assists don't get you sneaker deals this is true so so that is an ensemble movie what a good sports reference right did i do okay you did great thanks um so we can eliminate raising arizona Wow. It is, it's a beautiful, wonderful movie and he's great in it, but, uh, he's not doing all of the heavy lifting in that movie. That's, that's Holly Hunter is doing more of the heavy lifting than he is, journey, along with, uh, Bill Forsyth and, uh, and John Goodman, who yes. are brilliant in it. 
Yeah, I would say he has more of a journey to go as an actor. It's much more strenuous mm-hmm. what he did for leaving Las Vegas. Yeah. For sure. What about Moonstruck? Um, Moonstruck, I feel it might be in the same – it might be the same thing as Raising Arizona in that it's Cher's movie. It's Cher's movie. Yeah. He's great in it and he's fun and hilarious and – I mean they're doing Shanley. Like Shanley is – he's a playwright. Right. So they are doing – it is a theatrical movie that he thrives in. But that's Cher's movie, man. Yeah. Um. All right. This is the sound of that getting crossed off. Done. So, um. So from that category, his shouldn't be a surprise. Leaving Las Vegas. His Academy Award winning performance in Leaving Las Vegas. Sure. All right. So from the National Treasure category, it's National Treasure One, not National Treasure Book of Secrets. Great. Uh. So let's go to the most Nicolas Cage category, and that is three very fun movies: Face Off, The Rock, and Con Air. Yeah. I mean, look, Face Off has the advantage of him. It's so hard that I can't imagine it not being Face Off. It's not. I don't think that's the most. I think that I would argue The Rock is more Nicolas Cage because you have a lot more of the like, you're freaking me out, like that kind of stuff. Yeah. A lot more. But The Rock is The Rock is also confused and nervous, but also the weird sex scene on the porch. Uh, on the on the uh, on the roof of his home before he goes to visit Sean Connery. There's another yeah. another really good sort of scene partner for him. Yeah, um, it's just that's pretty Nicolas Cage. Con Air is more Con Air to me is more of a John Woo movie than a Nicolas Cage movie. See, I think of The Rock as more of a like action. Who directed The Rock? Uh, that's Michael Bay. Michael Bay. Like that feels to me more like a Michael Bay movie than a Nicolas Cage movie. It feels like. Any act, basically, here's a good way to put it, I think, uh, to look at it. Could any actor have done it and made the movie as good as it was? Could any, could, can you think of another actor doing it and it still being the same movie? And I would argue that in The Rock, there are a heck of a lot of really great, at that time, what, young leading men who could play, uh, who were, who were forced to play opposite Sean Connery. Not forced to, you know what I mean? Like who are cast opposite Sean Connery. I don't know. It's hard. What do you think? See, I don't think Face Off is any different. I think there are there are a lot of actors who probably could have done it and done it very well. Mm-hmm. And it's it is an enjoyable movie for what it. I enjoyed it very much when I. Sure, there is exactly one other actor who did it and did yeah. it equally well, and great that's John Travolta. Chase. There's a great boat chase in it. Yeah, uh, but to me, out of these three, mm-hmm. it's probably Con Air. Yeah, it's starting going. I'm gonna prove to you, God exists. Let the bunny go. Like yeah. so many taking the bullet in the arm and then not stopping. Yeah, which my father, I remember him pointing that out to somebody. He's like, then he takes a bullet in the arm and just keeps walking. He doesn't even flinch. <laughs> like for how cool <laughs> that was. Yeah, but face off, he's playing the good guy and the bad guy. So see, he is in Con Air too. He's a criminal. No, in Con Air, he's no, he's uh, is he a marshal who's undercover. No, he's uh, it was like he was he's not a bad guy. He's he shouldn't a, be. In he's jail. a good guy who should not be with these guys. Oh, he killed somebody by mistake. Yeah, it he? was like it was something. It was like Protecting good guy someone. goes to prison for circumstances. I think he kills some. Yeah, I think he kills somebody. Yeah, in like a and he's not a bad guy in that. He's a good guy in that. Yeah, but it's so ridiculous. Yeah, but is that just the movie being ridiculous? I feel like in Face Off, the performance is insanity. And you get so you get, here's why Here's why I'm going to keep fighting for Face Off. Go ahead. You get the, you get the Nicolas Cage of The Rock. I mean, there's even prison in it. You know what I mean? You get, you get the protagonist Nicolas Cage. Mm -hmm. Um, There's even prison in it. Yeah. Yeah. You get the protagonist, Nicolas Cage, who has those moments of fear and lashing out and runs the gamut of all the emotions. And then you've got villain Nicolas Cage in that movie, who is just him swinging for the fences and gobbling up scenery. I feel like the most Nicolas Cage movie moment is Face Off. I think. No, no. I think the most Nicolas Cage moment in Mm -hmm. Face Off. And again, we're looking at the performance, not the uh, not the film. Right. Is and that's why I think Con Air is a. I think Con Air is a more Nicolas Cage movie, but is not as much of a Nicolas Cage performance. To me, the only moment that stands out in Face Off is when the character is high, and at that point, mm-hmm. when he's doing that's the um. I want to take his face 
off. off. He's yeah. high in that moment. Yeah. So, like, anybody who's playing it might do something similar to that. Now, of course, his version of it is way over the top and crazy. Of course it is. And delicious because yeah. he's Nicholas Cage. Oh. You know what he is? He is, like, sitting down to a 20-piece McNuggets. You know it's bad for you, but it's going to fill you up and it's going to taste good. In which of these movies does he seem the most like? Uh, a 20-piece McNugget? The last time I got a 20-piece McNugget, <laughs> they gave it to me in two 10-piece boxes. <laughs> I never felt like a bigger piece of crap. <laughs> Eating in a McDonald's and go like there's something to the psychology of like well that's one box down and then going to the next one and then just eating it because at that point you're like well I ate a box it's like the, yeah. the it's like the my 800 pound life mm-hmm. the woman who is putting a bunch of whipped cream on a waffle and then she looks left looks to the right shrugs and then sprays it in her mouth you know it's ridiculous hmm. this is the second time in a month did you just Wait, watch this, this again? you yeah this is the second time in a month you've told the uh, lady on the show whipped cream story. You know, it just is one of those moments. You get through the first and you just shrug. You're like, internally. I guess I'm doing this. I guess what am I going to do? Throw these other 10 away? That's wasteful. (laughs) I guess I'll eat them. Oh, I could eat Chicken McNuggets like they're popcorn in a movie. And I will start at the beginning of the movie. Right. Yeah. And uh, when uh, when I will start at the beginning when Hawkeye is out there showing his daughter how to uh, how to arch. Yeah. And uh, yeah. Yeah. And I will not stop eating them Chicken McNuggets until – the uh the everybody's signature comes up in the credits i'll start the uh chicken nuggets with i'm maria menounos you've been watching movie feed we took you <laughs> back behind the scenes of this is us and showed you a preview of the upcoming crudes five lost in time <laughs> and then by time it, the first green screen that comes up that says this preview has been approved for audiences food's gone i'm closing the box <laughs> <laughs> but you're opening the second box that has 10 more McNuggets in it. Sorry. I mean, I'm closing the second box and throwing it aside, <laughs> casting it out of my village. Oh, man. I, there's something about his Con Air performance mm-hmm. where it not only feels like even in that movie that he's in a different movie, mm-hmm. but that he almost like he either really cares or doesn't care at all. And you cannot tell which one it is. Do you mean Nicolas Cage as an actor caring about the movie? Correct. You cannot tell the <sighs> investment he has in it at all. Like you just can't. And he chooses a weird accent. Mm-hmm. That's a like a that's a that is a that is a, if you're playing Nicolas Cage bingo, weird accent is on every card. Yeah, that's not like it's he's not doing it. It's not terrible. No, it's fine. But it's also not. It also doesn't sound like that's where he's from. Look, he as somebody who has to do an accent in a show, um, not easy. No. Uh, Did you have a coach? I watched a lot of Scorsese movies where Irish dudes get shot in the head in Boston. <laughs> so you watched The Departed? Yeah. Uh, the, well, they're The Departed and then uh, – I guess they're not all Scorsese Kansas movies. The, the Town. Oh, The Town. Um, Just all Boston. Yeah. Which actually there's a great sketch that Seth Meyers did. Yeah. Uh, a great Boston sketch that's just people uh, speaking in thick, towny accents and then getting shot. <laughs> <laughs> there's also a great um, – Rachel Dratch and Tina Fey. Oh, yeah. Oh, ma, this sweat is wicked pisser. Yeah. Let's go to... Let's a go to scrunchy. Crazy. I got a wicked craving for a freble. Yeah. Was it... No, it's a... It's a no single item should cost more than $12. $12 for my... Ma, for $12, maybe I could get a scrunchy. It's such a great <laughs> sketch. Find Dratch and Fey, people. Yeah. Dratch and Fey. Uh, one of the classics. Uh, it's on that... Uh, the Second City album, isn't it? Yes, it is. Not like their best of live. Uh, yeah. There's a, so something that they, that they had later adapted into their two-person yeah. show. I saw them do it live uh, wow. back in the day. And Paradigm... Was it Paradigm Lost that that was in? Or mm. one of the shows back then when I was going... When I was in college and I would just go to Second City all the time. Right. And that was the era of Dratch and Fey there. So it was like, yeah. oh, man. Right was, after Pinata Full of Bees. Cause right after found, Pinata like, Full of Bees. It would have closed. That was 95, I think. Yeah, right? so uh, 96. So I got there in 97, yeah. Right, right, right. Um, all right. But we're not here to talk about Second City main stage reviews in Chicago. Don't you throw my words back in my face. All right, I will I will concede that, yeah. that Con it's Con Air. Con Air is much more of a Nicolas Cage performance. Um, now, so we're down to three. Oh, I guess now's the time. Goodbye. National Treasure, you you are so great. Goodbye, National Treasure. But is it leaving Las Vegas or is it Con Air? It's so Con now Air. it's it's most Nicolas Cage versus best Nicolas Cage. There's no way we could possibly do this podcast and pick a good Nicolas Cage performance over a most Nicolas Cage performance. Yeah. You know what? It's time to let the leaving Las Vegas go. I tried to replace leaving – I tried to replace Bunny with leaving Las Vegas and then it didn't sound like a quote from the movie anymore. I'm real I sorry. Even, I can't even quote Con Air. I can't – all I can quote is – 
I'm I could just say, let the bunny go. I'm going to prove to you there's a God. Something like that when he walks out. I mean, that that movie, that cast, that Nicolas Cage performance. He's in denim the whole time. He is, and, and with just his long, flowing, insane hair. Mullet, yeah. That I saw at the Magic Castle. Did so. he have a mullet at Magic Castle? He didn't Castle? have a mullet. No, did he have a mullet in the car? Oh, yeah, or at least it was slicked back. I'm pretty sure it's a mullet. I thought it was just slicked back long hair. 1997, Nicolas Cage, long hair. All right, Hal. People of the world. Oh, God. <laughs> I can't. I'm not going to keep up. I refuse. Hilarious. I can't Because I can't do it. Yeah. There's only one Nicolas Cage. Yeah. And that's why we love him or we love to laugh at him. Or we, we do just, both. We do both. He has a very unique career in that like from film to film, you could show an, a Nicolas Cage uh, film festival of 10 movies mm-hmm. and five of them would have really good performances that pull you in. And have you spellbound and work within the framework of the films that they're in and then another five that are so banana pants crazy <laughs> that it is like it is like eating pairs of ten <laughs> chicken McNugget boxes one after the other. It's just like it's bad for you, yeah. but you love it. Uh, and that makes it great. And it's yeah. good to have. Like you can have that stuff once in a while. Yeah. It's a treat. Nicholas Cage, you are a treat, sir. Yeah. And I can't imagine Fred Astless this going, tell me a very good performance. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be leaving Las Vegas, right, guys? No, man, it's Con Air. It's Con Air. That is the, that is the best Nicolas Cage performance. Although he is great. I, I know there are a lot of people, they were talking about this in the Facebook group because that's where this was suggested, Mm -hmm. who were like, it's Spider-Man Noir. And I agree with you. I think. Yeah, he's great in that. That is among his best performances. Not his movie. Not his movie at all, but a great role and a Mm -hmm. great performance. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't, he doesn't necessarily have to be the star. Right. However, the more screen time Nicolas Cage gets, <laughs> the more Nicolas Cage the performance will be. And again, this is not uh, – we're looking for the most Nicolas Cage performance, which Spider-Man Noir is not. It works yeah. perfectly for what it is. And I would watch a Spider-Man Noir film, and I'm sure that it's already in development somewhere. I beg you, Sony, please renew your deal with Marvel Studios. <laughs> Keep Tom Hall, Tom Hall to Spider-Man. I'm going to get off of the uh, the soapbox now and Fair declare officially people of the world. That Con Air, uh, what is the name of his of his character in that movie? Oh, I don't even remember. Wait, I'm looking it up right now. You really should have been more Con prepared Air, for this exact moment. I should have been. You should not have started the sentence. I should have. In known. which he played Cameron Poe. Cameron Poe. <laughs> I mean, asked unanswered. Uh, <laughs> this to- this topic's closed, but there are many more topics to discuss. So please reach out to us on Twitter at we got this tweets, or check out the Maximum Fun subreddit. A flame war could be happening right now, or you can send us an email at we got this podcast at gmail dot com. Do we have to, to keep Facebook. doing this? No, okay, we're done. Go to facebook dot com forward slash groups forward slash we got this podcast. Talk about Nicolas Cage. Celebrate Nicolas Cage. Wonder at Nicolas Cage. Ooh. Do all of those things with one another. Thank you to producer Ken Plume, researcher Kate McManus, graphic designer Uri Kelman, QA engineer Jen Alba. And thanks to our musicians Jonathan Dinerstein and Mike Furman for our score and theme song respectively. And thanks to you, our listeners, the people of the world, for giving Hal and I an opportunity to sit down, pop open some boxes of Chicken McNuggets, <laughs> and... Enjoy the magic of Nicolas Cage. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. For Hal Lublin, I'm Mark Agliardi. For Mark Agliardi, I'm Hal Lublin. And don't worry, everybody. We We got got this. We got this. Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.